I'm Hemant Mehta, and I'm flying solo today. You're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. You can now listen to all of our episodes and see show notes at FriendlyAtheistPodcast.com. By the way, we now have a merchandise shop on the website. So if you want your podcast swag, and you know you do, go to our website and click on the store tab. David Williamson is the founder and president of the Central Florida Free Thought Community. His group has been leading the way forward when it comes to getting atheists to give invocations at local government meetings. And I'm excited to talk to him about what they're doing in Florida and how we could spread it everywhere else. So, David, thanks for uh, being with me today. Yeah, you bet. I'm really glad to be a part of the podcast, Hemant. You've been a great supporter of local activism, so I want to take a minute to thank you for that. Around the country, sharing news that we make in the trenches on your blog and providing really insightful commentary. So thanks so much for that and for the rest of the work you're doing. Well, I really appreciate that. And let's give some background on the invocation story. So the the long and short of it is that last year, the Supreme Court decided in a case called uh, Greece v. Galloway that sectarian invocations were legal. Basically, someone could go to a local city council meeting and say, I pray to Jesus that we have a city council meeting and they do OK. And that's OK. Um, but the flip side to that is that anyone could give the invocations. It couldn't be restricted to just Christians. And your group has really taken advantage of that, it seems, because you're going to all these city councils and saying, hey, we're atheists and we want to deliver the invocations, and they can't really say no to you anymore. I mean, do I have that right? Is that what you're, is that the impetus to what you guys are doing? It is. It is. And I think you and I talked about this before, you know, as activists for separation of state and church, we've gone from the position of trying to identify and stop sectarian prayer, which was the issue under Marsh v. Chambers from 1983, to now ensuring that local governments are following the new status of the law after Greece, which includes a difficult decision of how our activism affects whether we participate in these invocations as, quote, humanist activists, unquote, or whether we continue to try to stop prayers from happening with a little more harder activism, you know, the, the, some of the Satanists and the Satanic Temple have been working on, um, you know, trying to push back on some things by trying to level the playing field, basically, you know, closing the field down. So these venues are even discussing closing forums, even with the humanistic approach we've been taking. So do you think the Supreme Court decision was a good one or a bad one? Well, as I mentioned, I think last May, you know, we're making we're making lemonade out of Greece because yeah. I, I, we, we anticipated it could go this way. We even anticipated they might require clergy members, but they didn't even do that. So we are we're really doing the best we can with, uh, you know, what the hand we've been dealt. And, you know, it's working out pretty well, I think, you know, depending on your take and whether or not these prayers should happen. And regardless of whether I or anyone else thinks these prayers should stop and regardless of the victory that it might be to stop them. I challenge anyone to tell me of a better time and place to get the message out about secular values of inclusion, diversity, tolerance, and equality to the folks that need to hear it the most. You know, when we're, when we're doing an invocation, when I or anyone else is doing an invocation, everyone at the meeting is standing at attention. They're primed to conduct the business of the day. So I'm really having a hard time coming to the conclusion that these invocations should stop. It's valuable activism and uh, to, to undertake in a venue where we never had an opportunity like this before. So it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit uh, difficult to decide which way to go, but we're going in the direction of the humanist approach. 
So maybe the same question. What makes you happier when a city council says, yes, we welcome you or a member of your group to deliver an invocation? Or when they say, you know what, we're just going to get rid of invocations and get down to business. I think it's a win-win, right? I mean, the bar is always moving towards equality. And equality can include uh, a secular government or an you know, an inclusive one in this case, right? So government's always going to be secular, but this opening ceremony has not been secular. It's been religious. And if they're going to include non-religious people, then that lets us in the door and puts us on level playing field, you know, equality for everybody. But it's a win-win, honestly. But I'm, I'm more of the opinion that I think it's good for us to be out there in the news, you know, changing the processes that are taking place, um, being a part of what's going on. And if these public officials are modeling the behavior of acceptance, guess what? You know, that's going to be what the people in the public do. You know, everyone's treating us differently. Sometimes our inclusion is truly a sign of acceptance and other times it's simply acquiescence. But the fact remains that the mere perception that we're included as equals alongside religious leaders at a town or county meeting is a significant win. And it wouldn't have happened if people like Linda Stevens and Susan Galloway hadn't stood up and pointed out there was a problem in Greece, New York couldn't agree more. Uh, so let's talk about the logistics of this thing. How do yeah. you guys make this happen? Well, you know, we were um, um, one of our board members, Joseph Richardson, um, who you've heard of before. He's an activist here in Central Florida. He's been monitoring these ever since before the Greece decision came down. We were ready to pounce on this when it happened. So, um, you know, you can find out more about this if you're interested in doing it at uh, Americans United Op- Operation Inclusion is the name of their page where you can find that good information. We'll have a link um, in the show notes. Great. Yeah. And and school board meetings, by the way, are not allowed to have prayer during the invocation. So we're trying to get the word out that we don't want to encourage um, activists to participate in those. We want to encourage activists to try to stop that from happening. Um, But when it comes to doing this yourself, you know, first determine if the government meeting in your area has an invocation. Um, You can do this by, you know, catching it on television. Sometimes they're on TV. Other times you have to do video or audio on the Internet and, you know, you can even go to these meetings, and I always say, thank God the prayer comes first, because you, you sometimes <laughs> want, to, you want to get out of there, because they're kind of boring. But I will say this. We've discovered some state church violations and some other concerning legislation just by being at these meetings. So there's another side effect is just getting involved. Um, so once you know there's an invocation, um, confirm it's not being done by an elected official or an employee or any other government representative. If that's the case, then you want to work with a watchdog like FFRF, Americans United, American Humanist Associations, um, uh, Legal Society, or ACLU. Exactly. Yeah, so you want to make sure that that doesn't continue. And we're working on that, too. So we've got some recent news we've made in trying to stop the government prayer and allow, you know, layperson and clergy prayer to be the the, the actual modus operandi. Um, Once you know that there's invocations happening and that they're happening by religious leaders typically, reach out to the chair of that board commission or council um, or the administrative support staff to inquire about how the process works and to sign up and just say, include me. Um, You know, document everything you do and who you communicate with each time, including dates and times. And uh, don't take no for an answer. You know, go at it until you get in. As long as you meet the same requirements as the other speakers, they really cannot exclude you. And by, by that, I mean, sometimes they'll say you need to live in the town or the county or your organization needs to be there. And there, there are some pl- ways they're trying to keep us out by using those rules. So definitely get some assistance from some of the, the national watchdogs on this. Uh, I'm certainly glad to help if people want to get in touch with me as well. So that's about it. You know, just once you get in, though, you've got to be prepared to give 
uh, you know, that invocation, you know? So we'll talk about the invocation in a second. What responses have you gotten from city councils? Have they actually said no? We've had a, a variety, you know, some, some have said, come on down. They've had even invocation policies on their website and other places they've advertised it on social media. It's been no problem getting in. Uh, other cases, it's been, you know, they've ignored us for quite a while, including a few that, that we've made the news on recently. Um, Sanford, Apopka, um, and, and Maitland, in fact, are a few that have ignored us. Uh, one, in fact, said, you, you know, and if you don't believe in God, you can't do an invocation, and that's Brevard County. And I think you covered the fact that we litigated in July, um, and we're working on that with FFRF, Americans United, and ACLU, and, and actually litigating this case to see if we can uh, open the door there to uh, allow atheists to do invocations in Brevard County before their county commissioners. And in some cases, what should we look for in the sense that, oh, this should not be happening? Because are all invocations mm -hmm. good to go? When is it not okay, whatever's going on there? Right. Well, there, yeah, there's probably a few different occasions. We talked about one already where you've got um, government officials, people that are acting on, on behalf of the government there, whether it's a commission member or employee, um, whether elected or not. Those folks should not be doing any invocations. Um, I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of, of how often they should or shouldn't be doing it, but the fact is, is that is a violation of Greece as I see it. I'm not an attorney, but I see that as a violation of Greece and of Engel. Um, you know, way back in uh, no, maybe I have the case the case wrong, but but there is a, a violation there, and that the government should not be prescribing prayer. Yeah, that is Engel. So that's kind of what we're using to demonstrate that those aren't allowed. We've even got a couple of cases, um, <clears throat> I think a, a, a North Carolina case and a Kentucky case currently ongoing where we've demonstrated that, that the courts are finding that government prayer should not be led by government officials. It should be done by, um, by the people of the, you know, of the constituents themselves. The other thing that you should be looking out for is if they are denigrating anyone in their uh, invocation. And that's going to be hard to, to fight on a legal front, but you can certainly shut that down by explaining uh, through the help of hopefully some uh, assistance with attorneys that denigrating others, um, proselytizing in, in significant manner, those types of patterns are things that the courts are going to be opposed to. So that's that's pretty much it. I mean, is there anything else that I can uh, uh, talk about no, on that I, front? I think that covers it. I think it. that explains how to get on the list. Okay, so let's say you got the okay it's mm -hmm. time for you to give the invocation. What makes a good invocation? Is there anything atheists should be including? Should they uh, be snarky? Should they what What should they say? Or does well, it make a, you know, does it make a difference? You know, it depends on what your goal is, right? I mean, we've got people uh, David Suhor up in the Panhandle of Florida who did a, a pagan chant, which I mean was fantastic because it demonstrates how everyone can be made uncomfortable. The, the majority religion can be made uncomfortable by someone's prayer. We've had other folks in South Florida that have, you know, said hail Satan during their prayer. We have yet to have a satanic prayer because every time Chad Stevens down there in South Florida asks to do one, they close down the forum, which is <laughs> I guess, a victory. But, you know, so it depends on what their goals are. You know, our goals originally were like, we need to stop prayer from happening at government meetings. And we've kind of slid into a position of let's go out and advocate for what we think is important. Let's evaluate the prayers that have been said over the last several months and go in there with the same concepts from a secular perspective and point out that these are inclusive when we do this. If someone's upset with a secular humanist invocation that is done with a straight humanist uh, bent, they're looking to be upset, right? Yeah, this is one of the things I've been really impressed by, which is that every time uh, someone in Florida does one of these invocations, they are 
overwhelmingly like out of their way nice about what they're saying like there's really nothing to get offended about and mm-hmm. you know the occasional the, when they push the envelope they'll give a quotation mm-hmm. by like darwin or something like <laughs> that that talks about our general humanity mm-hmm. uh, one of the arguments i hear from the other side is that you know when someone is doing a pagan chant or a satanic mm-hmm. thing they're showboating They're basically making a mockery of the entire process. This isn't really who they are or what they believe. And so that's why atheists ought to be excluded if they're doing something like that. Do they have a point? Well, sure. From their religious perspective, they have a point. I mean, their religion tells them atheists are no good. So it's certainly if you're going to make a religious argument, you can argue anything if you invoke magic. But the fact is, is that if if we are in there exercising our rights Tough shit. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we really we really have the ability to do that. Now, if we're doing this on behalf of, uh, you know, the Central Florida Free Thought community, we're doing this behalf on a local humanist organization, if we're doing this behalf of, on behalf of an atheist uh, organization, we've got to take into account who we're representing, who we're speaking for, and also keep in mind that most of those folks don't want you to speak for them. So that's when you start treading on, you know, uh, uh, troubled areas when you're trying to speak on behalf of a group of people. That may be easy when you're religious, but when you're a free thinker, man, there's all kinds of opinions around the uh, the dinner table in those groups. So uh, going back to the question of what should someone include in your mm-hmm. ideal world, what does a good invocation include? Well, I've always focused on making sure that I recognize and and I'm grateful for the participation of people there. It's the staff members, the elected officials who've basically dedicated their lives or much of their lives to this, the people that are there to participate and involve themselves in the process, being grateful to them as opposed to grateful to God or or whoever else they might be grateful to, Um, asking for people to use reason, evidence when they're making decisions, ask them to consider everyone as an, an actual person as opposed to a statistic, all the things that you would want to have um, considered before you make an important decision are the kind of things that a secular invocation can provide. You know, of course, it can be snarky. It can be activist. Um, what you probably want to avoid is lobbying for a particular issue that's on the agenda. That'll probably get you not uninvited uh, pretty quickly. But, you know, those types of things. And we've been really fortunate that some of our invocations have been uh, the last two that I were attended, one I did and one I attended, our local state representative was there in the audience. We had a vote on uh, LGBT uh, equality down in Osceola County when we did our invocation last fall there. Um, so it's been really it's been really important, I think, for us to put our best foot forward in those cases. But again, that's just my perspective. Others may say we need to close the forum down, so let's just make a mat. What's so I, the you know, What's the reaction been from city council members and even the general public when an atheist has given an invocation? You know, it's been it's been mixed. We've had occasionally somebody steps up to the microphone after we've, you know, done our invocation and the meetings underway when they're in public comments and they're complaining that somebody let the uh, the atheists in, um, <laughs> which is going to happen. I mean, if you don't get if, if there's no violence, <laughs> then I yeah. feel like it's a win. But, uh, you know, we have not had uh, very many uh, public officials outwardly say, we're really glad you came. Great job. Uh, and it's hard for us to evaluate how we're being treated uh, in a unique situation that we're not used to participating in. So I couldn't say we're getting any better or worse treatment. But I will point out something funny that you captured on your blog was mm-hmm. when we did the invocation in Deland, the city with the cross on the seal, um, you know, th- there was a, a pin given to Jake Smith, our invocator, <laughs> which had the seal of the city with the cross on it. And they made a point to come out and make sure he got that before he left the meeting. But, you know, those <laughs> gestures, 
We've had certificates of gratitude. We've had uh, letters go out, but these are probably standard practices that these um, you know, commissions and councils and boards send out and, and thank the clergy members that are typically doing this. And I wonder if somebody's not begrudgingly stuffing an envelope with a thank you letter in it and sending it to the atheists. <laughs> Uh, I don't know when this episode is going to air, but one ep- one thing that happened recently in Texas, there was a man uh, who gave a secular invocation, and he's done it, like, I think once or twice. But when he does it, they have someone else do a Christian invocation right afterwards, kind of like to clean up the mess after the atheist. And it's not something they do when a Hindu person speaks or a Muslim speaks. It's something only when he speaks. And, and we'll see if they, you know, do anything about this legally. Uh, but yeah. it's fascinating the sort of reactions people have offered. Yeah, I would I would definitely be seeking legal counsel on that. It, it seems to me that, that that type of treatment is different. Now, if somebody steps up in their public comment period and says a prayer, you know, that's kind of tough, tough noogies because you, you have that opportunity to get up and speak during that comment period. But I would be concerned, and someone asked me that in an interview a few months ago, if they did that, would I be concerned? And I said, absolutely. You know, that, that that's the kind of treatment that I would oppose if that were the government uh, sanctioning that type of thing. So one thing that's been really helpful for us is we've got a, um, a website monitoring tool called invocationsonline.com where local activists are monitoring these meetings so we can keep up with who's delivering them. And we can see if we're being skipped in the rotation. Um, We can see a pie chart on this page, and we hand this out to the media and other folks, where they can see the percentage of invocations by each religious sect Hmm. compared to the actual population, you know, including a few non-believers, which are barely, you know, opening up the pie chart and showing. And this is where? This is just in Florida, all across the country. We're starting it in Florida. It'd be great if it were to expand, you know, depending on our resources, we may be able to do that. But it's right now. It's it's just about fifteen, I think local bodies, uh, government bodies down here that we're monitoring. If you go to invocationsonline.com, you can see a pie chart for each of those, and it's juxtaposed with the Florida population data from Pew, so you can see how out of whack these invocations really are when it comes to representing the people. Joseph Richardson manages that site, and my wife Jocelyn has helped make sure these invocations are, are happening in a fair way that our people are included and we're staying in touch. So it's definitely a constant process. It takes up a good bit of bandwidth from our local group. I can't imagine there's any opposition within your group to all this invocation focus, is there? Well, we, you know, we just have a board of directors as of this year. We're a 501c3, so we don't have necessarily a membership that's voting up or down on the decisions we make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure there's dissent. Whether or not they're willing to tell us they don't like it is another thing. Once in a while, we'll get a comment on Facebook, but it's not by people that I know well locally. It could just be the bias, but uh, there, there's going to be people that say we shouldn't be doing this. And I and I buy that. I totally do. But they're missing the value, I think, of that, uh, the inclusive nature of this opportunity. And if there are people who say you shouldn't be doing this, what's their reason that, oh, it's an invocation. We should not want to be a part of that. So stop doing it. Is that what they're arguing? I, I, I don't know that I've heard of that specific argument, although that one does make sense. I mean, that's a principle and ideology that I, that I tend to kind of avoid those types of, of debates. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of points to be made there. But I think that the fact that we're allowing invocations to continue, that argument is gone, right? We're, we're, not, we're not allowing them to continue. We're participating in them. Now, granted, we're not actively trying to shut them down by being offensive, um, you know, at least in Central Florida. As of this point, that may change. But, you know, the argument of close the forum down has been fought and lost at the Supreme Court. That's the way I see that. So that's a no-go in terms of an argument if anyone made it. Right. We can't we can't shut it down by doing anything other than making ourselves look really bad. And I don't know that I'm <laughs> that. You 
know. Sure. So uh, as a practical question, what's the time commitment someone would need to do to make any of this happen? Because, you know, if if someone lives in a different state and they say, okay, I want to do what you're doing in Florida, uh, Mm -hmm. is this a big time commitment for you all? Well, it depends on the scope, right? If you're one person living in one town, uh, one county, you can do that one invocation probably without more than a, a few minutes of input. Of course, if there's pushback, it may be a little bit more work. But, you know, we've done 22 invocations in 15 cities with 16 different freethinkers. Um, we've got one new city on the schedule this month, and we're returning to two others later this year. And that's only going to grow and expand. And we're not just having, you know, our, our humanist leaders do it. We're having anyone in the area that we think can do a good job with it be a part of that. But if I were just one person, you know, trying to go to my local city council, it's really minimal, you know, and you can probably find a committee if you've got a local organization, put a committee on this and have them look into it and and have them be in touch with us and and see how we did it on a more broad scale. So what else is uh, the Central Florida Free Thought community doing besides invocations? What are your big projects now? Well, one thing that the two of our board members are working on right now is um, the Florida Humanist Association Conference. We've actually got uh, FFRF attorney and uh, School Advocate for Florida, Andrew Seidel, is coming down, as well as Dan Barker. So we're real fortunate to have two people from FFRF and, and talking about state church separation in Dan's new book at Free Flow. That's, that's in November, the first weekend. But if, on a local level, as far as activism, we just finished uh, a project with FFRF called The Dirty Dozen. We emailed, or excuse me, we, yeah, we emailed and mailed a letter that listed the most common state church violations in uh, Florida schools in the few years that, F- that uh, the CFFC has been in existence. So that was a great collaboration. We've turned it into a, a trifold brochure, and we, and we are really turned up the volume on, on our reports. You know, we were up to probably three or four state church violation reports a week for the first few weeks of school, um, which kind of blew our 50 complaints a year out of the water. But that was a great project, and I hope that other organizations will participate in that. Certainly other FFRF chapters are talking about doing something like that. But making sure that every superintendent in the state knows what our concerns are and, and, you know, in a way that is proactive as opposed to reactive. So that was something we're really proud of. We just did a a map of all the free thought groups in Florida. We updated that this summer so people can go to um, our website, cflfreethought.org, and find every other group that we've ever heard of in the state of Florida, whether they're a you know, a meetup of 10 people that's struggling to survive or a Facebook group of uh, 1,000 people. So that's a real good resource for folks in Florida. Um, team chaplains are all over the news, uh, locally in Florida. We kind of shut that down in Orange County last year. You mean for like high school football teams? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry for, for not explaining that very well. So they're still doing, what does that mean? What does that mean that they're doing at the high schools? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So schools are not allowed to have, uh, any non-student leading or participating in any prayer. Now that there's a lot of, you know, detail there, but the fact is, is that if the team votes on a student chaplain, or the coach or the students vote on bringing a chaplain in, or the coach just says, here's your chaplain, or praise themselves. These are all off limits. And that's something that we've been working on in Orange County, and we think we fixed it. However, we just found another prayer the other day at West Orange High School, so look for, look for more information on that. But we're putting together, we've got a WordPress site um, that people can go to to see anywhere in the news where there is a team chaplain that is identified by the media, they're on this website, teamchaplains.wordpress.com. It's a simple list of all the places that these 10 chaplains are popping up all over the country, including high schools and colleges. And I think it's, this data is being monitored by FFRF so they can take action on it. 
but it's just a way that people can see how many actual mentions these team chaplains are getting in the news, which is really the only window we get into it unless we've got folks that are right there on the spot talking about it. So that's an active um, uh, list of, of things we're monitoring. We just, just, just to play devil's advocate ahead. on that for a second, I'm yeah. sure there are some people listening who might say, you don't go to these schools. You don't even live mm-hmm. uh, in an area that's serviced by these schools. What right. right do you have to go in and take away their chaplain? Well, it, I don't know that I have legal standing to do that if I were to try to file a legal complaint. But the fact that these things are happening is a violation of law in the rights of those students who are having prayer imposed on them is pretty significant. You know, I had, I've had the pledge imposed on me for, you know, as important as that can be. Somebody told me to say the pledge one day at a committee meeting that I was on, and I was, I was completely embarrassed and floored because I, didn't, I thought they would know better than to ask me that. But these students face this on a regular basis when they're on especially football teams in the South. So this is a, a significant violation of their freedom of conscience. And if nobody's doing anything about it, at least I'm documenting it um, with our, you know, with our organization on this website so we can take action on it when people are interested in it. You know, so it's just a way to keep a a catalog of what's going on. Was it your group that was also involved in the Satanic Temple uh, giveaway last year? We. So, yeah, we, we filed the lawsuit in 2013 about the the distribution of Bibles in Orange County Public Schools. Tell us what was going on there. Yeah, so the uh, the World Changers of Florida, a small uh, group of uh, Bible thumpers down in southwest Florida, uh, obtained a consent decree by suing Collier County in 2009, and, and in, that was with the help of Liberty Council. Um, you know, our friends the Kim there Davis are, people. Okay, that's their new name. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're centered. They're headed headquartered out of Orlando in the Maitland area here, and they took this consent decree and waved it around in front of the Orange County School Board back in 2012 or 2013, and said, "You got to let us in," which is in fact not the case. The consent decree is not binding on anywhere outside of the uh, you know the people that made that agreement. But anyway, they came in and did Bible distribution in 2012. We didn't know about it until 2013. As soon as we did, we said, well, we've got some wonderful free thought materials you're going to want to have in the schools. And they said, sure. After four months of deliberations, they censored almost all of our materials. So we, we distributed what we had. We litigated. And while we were litigating, they said, OK, we won't discriminate any, against you anymore. You can distribute anything you want. Um, but during this entire process of, of litigating this issue, um, the Satanic Temple has this wonderful activity book, which is in no way able to be censored based on standard rules for obscenity, uh, nudity, drug, alcohol, none of those things. Because like one of the FFRF uh, pamphlets you guys wanted to give away was like the X-rated Bible. These are the worst things that are written in the Bible. And it had maybe a uh, graphic image on the cover or something. This coloring book was as happy and child-friendly as it could possibly be. It was about inclusion and equality. It was about, you know, all these concepts that are perfect for students of an elementary school age. And of course, after I think one of the websites, I don't want to throw them under the bus here, but one of the websites said Orange County schools or Orlando schools distribute satanic literature. And then a thousand was the number that was reported. A thousand people contacted the school board in, <laughs> or, in Orange County and said, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, guess what? Lucian's law kicked in. Everybody's out. No more Bibles, <laughs> no Satan, no no atheists, no nothing. Because as soon as they open the forum, they have to open it to everybody, and that includes mm-hmm. the minority viewpoints a lot of people don't like. So they're just saying, all right, well, if the Satanists are included, then we'll just say no to the entire concept. Absolutely. That's, That's it. 
It's worked. It's worked 100 percent of the time, at least until <laughs> until Chaz does his July invocation next summer, which I told him I'd come down and buy him a, a PBR <laughs> if he gets to do it. Um, we'll see how that goes. But, I, you know, we've we've got also a monitoring program for local schools. You know, out in Hawaii, they actually were able to litigate because the schools were basically giving away their venues to the uh, churches there. Um, we're trying not necessarily to do that type of in-depth research, but we want to know where schools are being rented by religious organizations. So we're receiving that information right now. From and what's, counties and- why is that useful for you guys? Because they are legally allowed yeah. to rent spaces. So what are you looking sure. for? Sure. Well, you know, we want it. We want to see patterns of, of abuse, perhaps, if we've got the ability and the bandwidth to monitor that. We want to see where there could be banners that are advertising church services outside of the contracted hours where they're permitted to do that. We just want to know where these things are happening. So if I have a volunteer that says, hey, hey, CFFC, how can I participate? Well, hey, keep an eye on this school and let us know if you see anything suspicious. If you if you hear of anything, you have kids in school. Well, they, hey, by the way, there's a church there. Make sure you, you don't see the pastor running around proselytizing to kids during the school day. All that information is valuable. And it also puts the school board on notice that we know where these things are happening and we're going to be paying attention to it. So that's something we're excited about doing, but it could take a lot of volunteers to do that. So we're basically just gearing up to be able to start that. Um, so, in you know, another big thing is graduation prayer. Uh, the law is not quite as clear at colleges, but we're going to try to uh, show that college graduation prayers are happening at the 28 community, or not 28, but at many of the 28 community colleges in Florida. They're happening at some universities, and we're going to basically shame these folks into stopping these prayers from happening by saying this is not okay. And then, of course, at high schools, if we get into that work, that's pretty easy to shut down. High and are you saying at the college prayer. level, are you saying you should incorporate us as a speaker or that you shouldn't be having these prayers at all? No, that's a good question. It's a fair question. And I think that at this point, we're probably not going to be elected to come and do a, a secular invocation, at least not on behalf of free thought or atheism or humanism. So I don't think that there's an open uh, forum or a, a public forum in the same fashion at a college graduation. What I'm talking about is you should not be you know, subjecting all of the students and faculty to religious prayers at these college graduations is kind of the take we're going to have. Makes sense. I mean, it's amazing yeah. how uh, the board for the, the Center of Florida Free Thought community is doing this much monitoring. Uh, what's the secret to getting this much work done? Uh, the secret. The secret to getting it done. I guess probably not doing much else besides that. <laughs> Um, and, and a lot of the, the one of the things that we've really made as one of our goals is using the media, using the media in a positive way. And I don't mean I don't mean you know the friendly atheist blog and and, and and all that as much as I mean local media. We've got contacts across Central Florida and beyond in print and in, in video journalism that are contacting us. We're contacting them, and we're using that to our advantage. Just last week, we had a, a TV interview and two print interviews on the city of Maitland having their own invocations without inviting anybody in. The board was doing that themselves. That hit the media, and then within a few days, we got an invitation to participate in another venue that we had told that they need to stop that type of thing. So using the media to our advantage has been really helpful, and it's, you know, it's paid off tremendously. That's fantastic. Well, keep up the good work, and we will have links for all the websites you were talking about, including uh, your group's website on the show notes for this episode. Uh, thank you again, David Williamson. Yeah, I want to really connect with Florida Freethinkers, Hemet, on Facebook. So to keep those folks informed about activism and events in Florida, so if they can find me on Facebook.com slash Freethoughtful, and of course, CFL Freethought is where we are on Facebook, Twitter, Meetup, and YouTube. So thanks so much. We'll have all those links. Thanks so much. Yeah, you bet. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. This episode was taped at Cinnamon Sound Studios in Aurora, Illinois. The music was composed by Brad Chagdis. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at FriendlyAtheistPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Hemant Mehta, and we hope you'll join us next time. Thank you.